Fedheads. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. We are live on Facebook. We are broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And uh, we are rebroadcast on YouTube and available on your favorite podcast catcher. Um, here at Sharing Our Pairings, of course, we smoke cigars and pair them with uh, delicious beverages. Um, tonight, I've got a special co-host. Uh, everybody meet Dennis. Dennis, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, so I've been in the cigar community for, say probably about five years now, just kind of floating around in the background, and uh, love cigars, love beer, love pretty much anything I can hack apart, can study, can learn about, so in a nutshell, that's me. Nice, uh, and tonight we are smoking the new Undercrown uh, Sun Grown, let's see if it'll focus, it was, oh there we go, look at that beautiful Sun Grown wrapper, I've got a... Uh, as you may be able to see in the video, I've got a fingerprint in the paint, which I've never seen on a cigar before. Um, but so this is the the latest from in in the Undercrown series from Drew Estate. Uh, I'm smoking the Corona. It's a five and five eight by forty six. Uh, Dennis, you're smoking the Robusto, which is a five yep. by fifty four, right? Yeah. Uh, and the wrapper on this, it's the first time Drew Estate, I believe, has used a sun grown Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. Uh, and then it has the Connecticut Habano stock cut binder, uh, which is uh, the same leaves that they use as the wrapper on the T52 and most of the Unicos. And then the filler is all Nicaraguan. So I think we're going to be in for a, uh, a good cigar here. I've smoked a couple of these, and I, uh, I like them a lot. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think it's solid. I love the fact that the, the binder is, is uh, it's so rich, right? It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's one of my really favorites. Yeah, you get a lot of that richness from the binder. And I, I think, honestly, they killed it again with the branding. It's Oh, yeah, of course. Undercrown has some of the best logos I've seen. Um, I like it so much I have it on my arm. Um, and I think the red and gold just looks really good. But we're not just here to talk about cigars. We're here to talk about uh, some delicious beverages. Um, and tonight, I decided to go with a theme. I We wanted to go all beer because we're both kind of beer geeks. I'm, I'm also a whiskey geek, but and so is Dennis. But... Tonight we want to do all beer. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I had a barrel aged stout in there, but I thought it would overpower the cigar, so I switched it out for a very fresh IPA. And so I, I kind of accidentally went with all IPAs tonight, but I think that'll go really well with this cigar. Yeah, I think that's actually a good strategy. I've had a couple of these as well, and I thought you know probably staying on the lighter side of things would allow for the the flavors, as most undergrounds, as you know, have that richness to them. I think you could let those flavors come out a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, let's get right into it. We're we're right at the top of the show, but, uh, you know, I, I'm ready to get drinking. So, th my first beer is from a, uh, a brewery that I've featured several times. It's Fort George Brewery. They are sort of local to me. They're in Astoria, Oregon, which is the city where the Goonies was filmed. Um, and it's called Fort George because... During, uh, I can't remember which war it was. There was a war, I think it was the, uh, I, don't, I don't remember. It was a, a war when we were still part of the, uh, you know, part of England or the United Kingdom. And it was briefly named Fort George after King George. Um, but they founded this brewery in 2010 in a building that used to be part of the sort of fort area. Um, and it's actually the oldest settlement west of the Rockies. It was like, it was one of the first settlements on the West Coast, and they make fantastic beer there. And this particular one is called Suicide Squeeze. They do a lot of collaborations. This one is in collaboration with Suicide Squeeze Records, who are, I guess, out of Seattle. I'm not familiar with them. I'm, I don't know if I've ever listened to music that's on one of their labels. And it's got a cool snake on it. Um, most like of their labels, particularly, yeah, they've really got like pretty cool. just nice coloring and nice. Uh, Nice graphics, but then for like for these kind of graphics, they always have a company called Plasm, which is a local marketing company. Uh, they always have them design their special edition cans, and they've always got something kind of cool on them. Um, and this is the second release of this beer um, with a they call it a remix because it's a record company, so it's a remixed recipe. So it's uh, supposed to be a little bit hoppier, a little bit more flavorful. And it clocks in at 7.2% ABV. And I'm going to take a couple sips of this while you talk about your first pairing. Wow, you're starting with the high ABV, huh? Uh, awesome. No, that's not the highest. 
Oh, it's not. It's actually. Oh, that's right. You have a an eight, right? Yeah. Cool. So my first beer is a. Let me see if I can show you. It's a local brewery by me, Carden, and pretty small. So this is a cream ale, um, and I just picked this up over the weekend. So it's, I think they just recently released it. Um, I'll show you kind of what it looks like. Oh, it's very yellow. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's actually from all the corn that they used. Um, I'm assuming, but got my carton glass there. So it's a really, it's an interesting style, right? Because cream ale, a lot of people hear about it and they think, all right, so cream ale is going to be super creamy, kind of a nitro smoothness to it. And in reality, cream ale is not really like that, right? It's, it's kind of, uh, it's surprisingly, you would think it, it's going to be creamy, but it's more like a, um, almost like a Genesee, right? The, the, the Genesee or the Narragansett, those are actually the cream ales, believe it or not. Okay. And so, in a sense, a cream ale is kind of like this. If you take a colch and you add a ton of adjuncts, so you add a ton of, like, rice or you add a ton of uh, corn to it, you get that nature of a cream ale. So, it's pretty low alcohol. This one is, is surprisingly high at, at uh, six. But it's nice. I mean, it's, it's a nice, easy drinking, kind of get it on your lawn more and uh, hang out in the backyard kind of beer. Um, so, my, my first beer, I mean, I went all IPAs, but they're all a little bit different. So, this one is... I, I'm guessing, based on my previous experience with the others, I'm guessing this is going to be kind of the sweetest one. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a little bit hazy. It's not quite Northeast oh, yeah. IPA style, um, but it's getting there. It's kind of in between a West Coast and an East Coast style IPA. Uh, it's kind of got a little bit of that fruitiness that you get in a Northeast IPA, but then it's got that like bitter hop bite that you get in a West Coast IPA. I uh, I haven't taken a draw since I've started drinking it, but I think it's going to go well with the cigar. Yeah, I've um, I kind of realized cream ale with the cigar so rich. Even in the beginning, I'm getting a lot of almost like a toasted oak, right? That sort of that that mm-hmm. dryness, oh, yeah. which is is so classic to an, an underground. Whether you have the shade, whether you have the original, and I think that the beer is just sort of underwhelming, maybe a little bit thin, and so it's not really. Uh, I don't know. It's not there yet, but I want to see let the cigar warm up a little bit, see how it is. So I think, I mean, this cigar is a spice bomb. That oh, yeah. Ecuadorian sun-grown wrapper is so spicy. And I, I think like that really bright black pepper note that I get from it, especially on the retrohale, goes really well with like hops and, uh, you know, just kind of the, the sweet bitterness of a nice IPA. Absolutely, and I actually I'm curious to see how it's going to go with a. I have a double IPA for my last beer. Oh, so I'm curious to see how that works out, and it's about ten uh, percent. Oh wow! So, powerhouse. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I would pair something like that with this. Uh, I think I'm doing okay with a couple single IPAs, but I don't know if I'd go all the way into like waist deep into double IPA yeah. territory. Oh man, you know, I think it's just my palate is so burnt out because I smoke so many full body cigars all the time. And, and generally, I kind of go for those really, really strong, the barrel aged beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I almost went for a barrel aged imperial stout here, but uh, I got uh-huh. my last beer here, and which I'll talk about in a little bit. And I, I couldn't not have it on the show today. So I kind of had to. I think we might be losing Dennis. Oh, I think you're back. I saw you move for a second. Oh, uh, oh, good. Uh, so if you're watching on Facebook, if you've got no, any questions, okay. any pairing suggestions for future shows, let us know. Uh, you know, we, we want to hear from you guys. That's that's part of why we do this is because is of the audience interaction uh, means a lot to us. And this Undercrown is smoking really well. I mean, it's got just a nice ash on it. And I don't know, it starts off just the way I like a cigar to start off with that blast of black pepper and like the richness of kind of, you get a little bit of that earthiness from the binder, but then you've got that like bright sweetness from the, or sweetness and spice from the wrapper. I, I just really like this cigar. It's just a good smoking cigar. Absolutely. And I think the burn is fantastic. And, and of the couple mm-hmm. that I've had so far, it's been super solid. Construction is awesome. Nice and firm throughout. So it's been just really nice. And I've had that same experience with just about every undercount I've, I've ever tried. I can't think of one that I've had an issue. I've had a couple. There was a, a time with the original Undercrowns about three or four years ago where I was having some cracking issues, and I heard that other people were too. Um, and from what I've heard, there was a little period of uh, some construction issues at the factory that they got all worked out. And I mean, I haven't had a bad one in years. 
And you know, some of that, that sweetness you mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of starting to taste it now a little bit. And it's, to me, it seems almost like a, a malted kind of sweetness. Yeah, it's kind of like malty is a good word for it. It's kind of a little bit uh, like a, it's almost like caramel, but nowhere near as sweet as caramel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely it. It's, it's hard. I mean, non-sweet caramel doesn't exist. So it's it's hard to come up with a term for it. Yeah. But it's got it's got the flavor of caramel, but not the sweetness of caramel. And how's how's your first beer doing? How's so, it pairing now that the cigar is warming up a little bit? Yeah, I was gonna say actually, it's um, initially you know at first light it was kind of a little bit not quite there for me, and I kind of earlier I mentioned that it tasted almost like uh, dirty cigar water <laughs> with a nice retrohale from the cigar. Um, and now because the cigar is bad or anything, the beer is bad. But um, now that it's warming up, it's actually kind of nice. I'm getting a lot more corn flavor, and I think because the beer is also warming up as well. And generally, I have this thing where when I when I pour a fresh beer, I don't really like it ice cold. I like it a little bit warmer. As, yeah, so, as it warms up, I like that that essence of, of hop that comes out. Yeah, I mean, everybody's heard that in in like Europe, they drink their beers at closer to 40, 40 to 50 degrees a little bit warmer than we like them. What I like to do, I have like a, a freezer drawer kind of thing in my fridge that's in between the freezer and the refrigerator. And it goes as low as 29 degrees Fahrenheit, which doesn't quite, it doesn't, fr I've never had a beer freeze. I've had water in there freeze. Um, but it keeps it like ice cold. Yeah. And I like to pour my beer like half an hour before I'm really ready to drink it. So that way I'm like kind of taking sips as it's ice cold. But then it's almost room temperature yeah. by the time I actually start like drinking it, because that way I kind of get the full experience. It's funny, you know. I actually thought I was the only one that did that, um, <laughs> because you know the culture is the beer culture is sort of at least in the U.S. It's kind of like everything's got to be ice cold, right? You look at the big name, the breweries like uh, Budweiser, Coors. Their whole thing is has to be ice cold. Oh yeah. And I think you miss out on a lot of a lot of the flavor when it's just too cold for your palate to pick up anything. Yeah, there there are absolutely certain flavors that your palate picks up better in a cold beer. Like I find uh, like really hoppy uh, beers that have like that really bright hoppiness. You get more of that like floral quality and more of those piney qualities when it's cold. But then there, on the other side of the spectrum, there's flavors that you can't taste in beer when it's ice cold, uh, which is why I like to taste it when it's ice cold and then let it warm up a little bit so i i even do that with like imperial stouts yeah that I, I do the same thing okay i i thought i might be the only person in the world that did that uh but i i just like having you know those i like being able to taste the way it is cold and the way it is room temperature yeah it's a, it's a great way to see if you actually really like the beer if you like it at both that's a winner for me um if i'm kind of not sure on either one i'll have another one of those beers and i'll give it another shot and see how I feel about it. But generally, I kind of do that, that breakdown of, of warmer and then fresh you know, fresh off the tap or out of the fridge. Yeah, and and John says that uh, it's tough to taste cold beverages, which is why Miller and Bud are so cold. <laughs> That's true. Oh, it's absolutely true. John's actually got a really good question before we get into our first break here. He wants to know if we find a different taste in a can versus bottled. Oh, so, okay. In my opinion, my opinion is that at first they taste identical and you can't taste the difference. Over time, even as little as like a week, you can taste a difference. Uh, bottles, is, as far as like IPAs kind of go, uh, a bottle tends to degrade the flavor faster because it's letting any light at all in. Uh, and cans, because they let absolutely no light in, keep the hops a little bit fresher. With something like a... Uh, I don't know, like like a barrel-aged imperial stout, I think that it would probably, I, I would guess, I haven't done any experimentation for this, I would guess that it would age better in a bottle than a can because of the light exposure. Because part of what you're doing when you're aging a beer is you're breaking down some of those flavors and uh, kind of filing off those sharp edges of the profile. And everything's melding together a little bit. And I think you wouldn't get as much of that in a can. What do you think, Dennis? Yeah, I think from the perspective of aging, absolutely bottle wins every time over a can just for that exact fact that you just said. It, it really does take a little bit of time for the flavors to mellow a little bit, and you need that, I wouldn't call it oxidation necessarily, but you need some of that light coming in 
Um, as far as taste, honestly, and I think I was really big on this when I first started getting into beer, I was a huge proponent of, of staying away from cans. I always said cans are horrible. A beer that comes in a can is low quality, right? And that's, I think, from you I mean, know, that, all of us growing up. That's what up. the entire industry thought yeah, until yeah, Oscar Blues, basically. Yeah, I think actually that's a, that's a good point. You're right. Oscar Blues changed a lot of the way that people perceived cans. Um, but I think cans are different. Than, they're not the same as they were 20, 30 years ago, right? And now, so you're not getting that same sort of tinniness to it. And it's weird because if you look at the culture and, and the beer scene in general, a lot of breweries are producing cans not just because they're cheap and not just because they're easier to carry, but also because they, like you were saying, the hop flavor really does stay fresh. You want that. For a lot of hoppy beers, yeah. you really want that kind of freshness enclosed. Yeah, I mean, locally, there are a lot of breweries that uh, actually Fort George is one of them. Fort George makes a, uh, well, they make several like barrel aged double imperial stouts and stuff like that. Um, all of those come in exclusively in bottles. Their normal releases come exclusively in cans, which I think is a good call. Uh, and we're going to take our first break here. Uh, we'll be right back after this message from one of our sponsors. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring a Rosado, Ecuador, Nevada wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preferences, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. And we're back. Uh, and before we get into our next pairings, I want to answer a couple of audience questions. So uh, the first one is from Chico Ray, uh, which first, before I even point out the question, I want to give a shout out to Cigar Surgeon because he's on their pinning questions so that I can see them, which is a really big help with the way Facebook organizes this whole thing. It's really uh, just not ideal. Um, but Chico wants to know, why are there so many different types of beer glasses? So the, the, gl the glasses that I'm drinking out of, I'm drinking all IPAs tonight. So I've got three of these glasses. So this is the IPA glass from Spieglau. So this particular glass was created with the help. It was created by Spieglau, which they make really good, really thin. I mean, you can see how thin that glass is. Uh, it's, uh, it's some sort of sapphire infused glass. And... They designed it in cooperation with Dogfish Head and Sierra Nevada, which are kind of two of the really big dogs in terms of uh, craft brewing in the U.S. And they've got a couple of specific reasons for some of these. So the top portion, it's a, a little bit smaller at the top than it is kind of at this belly, uh, which is like a, a wine glass or a, uh, a Glencairn scotch glass which is to give a wide surface area to the beer, but then have it concentrated up so when you're, when you're smelling it, you get the most out of it. And then it's got this smaller section down here, which has a couple of nucleation points at the bottom, which if you don't know what those are, they kind of laser etch a circle, and then it creates a, a point where bubbles get forced out of the carbonation, and you end up with it fizzing a little bit more um, when it's just standing still. And then these ribs at the bottom are for when you drink the beer it's supposed to agitate it so you get a little bit more of the nose of the beer um and and that's kind of i mean these are ipa glasses but that's kind of the reasoning behind every type of beer glass is you want the beer to do specific things to trigger certain senses um i mean except for the can glass that uh <laughs> dennis is drinking out of i have a couple yeah. of those and those are just really cool glasses they don't really serve a particular purpose yeah they're not that great for a lot of beers if you're really looking for that nose and all those nuances but there are it's a fun glass to have absolutely yeah they're they're just cool because it looks like a can they're yeah. just really neat glasses um and then my favorite type of beer glass which a lot of places around here serve in is tulips because a tulip glass you kind of get uh you know, you have a vessel for holding it, but it's it's just kind of, if you haven't seen one, it's kind of like a wine glass. It's like the top section of this. So you're getting that wide surface area with the concentrated port so that you can smell the most of the beer as you can. Uh, and that, I mean, there are slightly different styles for different types of beer. 
Um, but I, I say if you're going to get one, get a tulip glass. Yeah, absolutely. I think also a lot of my glasses are tulips as well, and I think they're awesome because for the stronger beers and for the beers that do open up a lot more as they warm up, it's a great way to just you can wrap your hand around it, warm up a little yeah. bit, almost like a cognac, right? And um, and just they're kind of easy to hold, right? Pint glasses, it's great, but it's it's a little clunky. Did I lose your audio? No, no, I'm still here. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I pulled up Facebook to see the rest of the comments, and it uh, like I could hear you talking twice, and then suddenly you cut out when I muted it, and I was very confused. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna move into my second pairing. Um, yeah, what do you got? And John pointed out that we mentioned Oscar Blues, which they come up almost every week on this show. Whenever we talk about beer, we talk about them. And this beer is not from them. This beer is made by Freem, but it is in a crowler, which, um, I mean, we talked about how Oscar Blues kind of paved the way for cans, but they also decided there needed to be a better way to do growlers, and they created the crowler in cooperation with Ball, who makes pretty much every can you've ever had a drink out of. Um, but a crowler is a 32-ounce can that comes with no top, and they have a, a device that blasts nitrogen in and clamps the top on. So you end up with like a super fresh can of beer uh, rather than a growler that is going to, you know, growlers don't last all that long. They'll last a couple weeks. Um, but a, a can is kind of like drinking it right out of the tap, which is great. Uh, so this beer is Freem Pint Defiance. So I had to actually do some research to find out about this beer. I'm familiar with Freem. I've had them on the show tons of times. They're they're a couple miles away in Hood River, um, founded in 2012 by Josh Freem. Uh, and he had previously worked at Full Sail, which is another big, big brewery out in Fort Hood, um, Chuck and awesome Nut beer. and Utah Brewers Cooperative. And he wanted to start his own brewery after all of his experience in the industry and decided to start a brewery that would focus on Pacific Northwest styles and Belgian styles. So they've got this really interesting mix of Belgians and mostly IPAs, because that's kind of the Pacific Northwest style is IPAs. But they've got, I mean, now they've got everything under the sun. They've got Gozas, they've got uh, Belgian Sours, they've got Sour IPAs. I've got a Flanders Red from them that's oh, aged oh. in bourbon barrels. Or actually... I have a Flanders age. It's a variant that's aged in scotch barrels. Um, and I mean, they make every style of beer you can think of. And all of it that I've had is fantastic. But this particular one, like I said, I had to do a little research. So it's called Pint Defiance. And I got it at my local tap room that's, that's like half a mile away. And after I did a little bit of research, I found out Pint Defiance is a tap room in Washington. Um, in uh, Yakima, I believe, which is about two hours north of here. And they did a collaboration with Pint Defiance where they created an IPA specifically for them uh, for their five-year anniversary. And apparently some of the kegs made it elsewhere. Um, not, not on accident. They just kind of decided to distribute a little bit of it so everybody could taste it. Uh, but this is a, a Northwest-style IPA clocking in at 6.8% ABV. I'm going to take a couple sippies and then, uh, you know, while you taste yours or while you talk about yours, rather. Yeah, that, that actually looks great. They make. So my, I think I've sent you a couple bottles. They make fantastic beer. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think in all the beer that you've ever sent me has been fantastic. I haven't not liked any one <laughs> of them. They're all great. So my second beer is the, and this is an interesting brewery. Let's see if I can show you guys. So that is Bronx Brewery. And this beer is a pale ale, um, or I should say an IPA, a proper India pale ale, but uh, an interesting thing about this brewery is they're actually, they really only do one thing, right? Their, their whole spiel is do one thing and do it right. And that's, I think that's actually their slogan too. Um, and so they specialize in pale ales and they do all kinds of funky grain bills and they look for weird hops to, to incorporate. And they actually do it incredibly well. <laughs> and, and, and they're fantastic. And they, they opened up, they're not that, that um, old. They opened up back in, I want to say about 2014 out in the Bronx. And the local beer scene, people love them. They make great stuff. And so compared to my first beer, you'll notice this one is a little bit darker. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit stronger. It comes in at uh, 7.6. And it's a little bit more bitter. So this is a 50 IBU. And the previous one, the cream ale, was a 28. So understandably so. Cream ale is pretty lightweight. And on first up, it's fantastic. And I have to say an interesting thing about this beer. It's kind of weird. Um, 
they use some hops that not many breweries I've seen actually end up using. So one of the hops is called Comet, and it's got this like really intense sort of grapefruit flavor, and it's just full of these alpha acids um, that really bring it out. If you're kind of a hop head like I am and my trip is, you may know a similar hop to this. It's called Galena. So Galena mm-hmm. is pretty popular. So it's basically, it's kind of like in the same family. But that's not the weird part. The weird part is they use a hop called, and this is uh, like one of the only maybe second or third time I've ever seen this hop used. It's called Dr. Rudy from New Zealand. I've never heard of that. Yeah, so it, it's kind of weird. It's like this, um, it's this hybrid that was that was created out there and it's just super piney, but it has this like, almost like a lemon rind taste to it. And they use it, it it's, they call it a dual purpose hop, right? So it's kind of like a good for bitter and good for aroma. And it's just fantastic. And this is one of my favorite beers from these guys. Um, so before I start talking about my tasting notes, uh, we've got an audience question. What's the longest you would keep an IPA before you feel like it's past its best before date? <laughs> Never. I mean, for me, I would say 90 days, maybe like three months, maybe four is where I, I would say, you know, it's not it's not worth drinking anymore, really. I mean, I'd probably still drink it if I had it in the fridge or something, but I wouldn't be expecting the full flavor. Like, I would recommend 90 to 120 days. Um, my last beer coming up has an interesting antithesis to keeping it longer like that, uh, but I'll, I'll get to that. So now I'm going to... Actually, I'll let you answer that question. What do you think, Dennis? Yeah, so I, I think... So for me, being a hophead, right, I love my IPAs. They really never last longer than maybe, I don't know, a couple of days at a time. I'm bad with, with yeah. keeping bottles. But uh, yeah, reasonably, I think 90 days at the most, because you have to think about also the fact that by the time you go to the store and you buy the beer and the beer gets to the store, it's already got a little bit of time on it. And, yeah. um, and it's kind of some of my frustration living in Jersey and trying to buy beers produced elsewhere, like Stone, for example. A lot of the Stone bottles I find are... Uh, they're at least eight months old. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So actually, speaking of stone specifically, uh, if you let them know about that, they will come in and they will confiscate those. Yeah, bottles. yeah, they're they're awesome about that. They're, they they are, are like are no joke. They'll come in. They'll they'll pay the owner of the store. Um, you know whatever their wholesale price was. They'll basically just buy back any stock yeah. that's past its date, which is awesome. Um, so. Now I'll talk about my tasting notes. So th- this one's actually a, a m- kind of a more mellow style IPA. This is, it reminds me a little bit of like a session IPA or an IPL, an India Pale Lager, where you've got kind of that round sweetness with just a little bit of that hoppiness in the background. It's not, the hops aren't front and center like they are in most IPAs. It's a little more um, restrained than that. And so it, it I mean, I think it's it's a pleasant beer, but it, it could be hoppier, and um, I think this would be, I mean, this is the kind of IPA that you could drink all afternoon and not blow your palate out. Um, so I, I do think, actually, it's kind of the perfect choice for a pub or a tap house to have, because people can come in, they can have two or three of them, and it's not super high ABV, and it's not super intense, blow your palate out, and you can just kind of sit and have a conversation and enjoy it. How's, that how's your good. So this is actually so far my favorite. Um, so the, the hop that I was mentioning earlier, the lemon, sort of the lemon rind, the grapefruit flavor, that's going really well with the, the spice of the cigar now that I'm, I'm about kind of there. Um, and so as the spice and the warmth is developing and that maltiness is, is not as prevalent, I'm getting more of that sort of, it's almost like a toasted oak. And that's going so well with the, with the IP. I think it's fantastic. And the bitterness I, I, is definitely out there. Like I can, I can tell it's, it's, it's got a good kick to it. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons I thought IPA when it, when we decided to do this show is that this cigar has like that oaky smokiness. It's not yeah. quite like a KFC or or something fire cured like that, but it's kind of got a little bit of that quality that I feel like goes well with an IPA. So I thought this would match up well, and it does so far. Yeah, um, and I think that that binder is, is producing a really nice smoke as well. Mm-hmm. And we've got a question from Jason Savka. He's up in Canada, Canada. Um, he says we need to pair mead from Carolina, Alberta. <laughs> it tastes like M O R E, which I'm not sure if that's the thing the cool kids are saying or what. But M O R E hmm. in all caps. I don't, know. I don't know what that don't means. Know. Maybe he means it tastes like I want more of it. 
that's probably what it is. Um, I, I would definitely be interested in a mead pairing show because uh, de- the only place that I've ever actually tasted mead is with Dennis in Nicaragua. <laughs> Uh, I am I am obsessed with mead. I everything about it I absolutely love. It's fantastic. I haven't had a bad one. All right. Well, we we might have to put together a mead show for Jason then. Actually, uh, no. I should say I have I did have a bad one. It was um, sarsaparilla mead. It was terrible. Oof. That sounds <laughs> rough. But I was excited about it, so it's okay. Uh, and before we get into our next station break, we have one last quick question, which is: How long would you let this stick rest before smoking it? Chico Ray. Oh, good question. I don't. I don't think this stick needs much rest. Actually, I mean, this one. Uh, I've only had. I mean, this is so. Up until this one, I've been smoking ones. A couple that I got at IPCPR. So they've obviously been sitting for like three or four months already. This one I just got from Drew Estate last week, and it's already smoking really well. Um, I. I don't think these need much rest because I think. Uh, m- Spicy cigars to me are kind of like IPAs, where the longer it rests, the more you're going to lose the thing that makes it what it is. Um, and with this cigar, the story is the, in the spice for me. Um, I could see them being really good with like a couple years on them, but I think they're really good right now. So why let them rest? Yeah, that's a great point. I actually completely agree with you. I think that that's uh, the, the whole nature of the Underground is that you can pick it up anytime, anywhere, and it's just it's ready to go. And I love that. And I love the spice. And, you know, absolutely, I think it'd be great uh, with a couple of months extra or a year plus on top. Uh, but you can smoke it anytime. Definitely not a cigar yeah, that needs I, the time on it. I, I would say, if, like, if you bought a box, try one as, like, maybe not right off the truck, but within a couple weeks so you can get an idea of what it is now. And if you think that it's a little too spicy, a little too intense, uh, give it a couple months and then, you know, see where it goes from there. Because I could see these, uh, I could see them completely changing because they'll lose that spice fairly quickly over, I mean, they won't be this spicy in a year and they'll be even less spicy in two or three years. Um, But yeah, so give it a shot and see what you think and let them rest until you think they're smoking as good as they will. I mean, that's kind of the trick with cigars is you taste one every now and then yeah. until it's not smoking good. And then, you know, you waited too long. So you smoke it until it's as good as you think it can be. And then you smoke all of them that you can find. Yeah. And it's a lot like a beer, right? It's everyone takes everyone has its own sort of personality and it, you have mm-hmm. to experiment to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take our, our second break here. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today and we're back um thank you very much to cigar oasis john john had some uh, choice words for them in a good way last week uh, they i mean i can't say enough about their product it's it's great but i'm gonna move on to my last beer so this is the one that i i previously had a um uh, a imperial i mean dennis you sent it to me it's like an imperial stout aged with all sorts of stuff and the stout itself is made with space ice cream yeah cognac barrel aged it's great yeah i'm really looking forward to that but i really felt like this cigar would overwhelm it and i went out and bought this beer today because uh well I'll, i'll just get right into it uh so this is sticky hands from block 15 brewing uh they're out of corvallis oregon which is a college town that's a about two hours south of here um and this beer was canned on Monday and arrived at the store yesterday morning, and then I bought it this afternoon. Um, so this is as about as fresh as you can get an IPA out of a can, at least. Um, and and that's kind of part of their thing for this brewery. They were they don't say when they were founded, but I, as far as I can recall, I think they were founded around 2014. I know they built their production brewery for these cans in 2015. Um, and they they call it the hop experience ale <laughs> um but their whole thing that. that they so 
it says at the top of the can, canned fresh, best before yesterday. So it's, I mean, anytime you're drinking this beer, it's too late. This beer, you cannot get fresh enough. And a really interesting thing they do, they only distribute in, like, I mean, basically in Corvallis and the cities between here and there and then around around Portland because they deliver everything weekly. They don't do, like, monthly shipments or quarterly shipments like a lot of breweries do. They deliver beer every, like, the way that they've got it set up, they've got a truck schedule on their website, so you can find out what day your local store is getting their beers, and you can go get it as soon as they get it so that it's as fresh as possible because that's their whole thing. Um, and this is the regular version, so on the... Uh, they do variants of this where they have a green tab you actually have to go on their website or look at the bottom, um, like down here where the date is, and it'll say which variant it is. So, like, I had a variant a few months ago that was the fresh hop version. Um, I also had a variant pretty recently that was that they use Galaxy hops instead of their normal hop bill. Uh, so they've got some really, like, and it, it's an interesting thing because it's kind of a surprise. You, you can't tell that they're green tabs until you get home and take one out, off of the little plastic four-pack carrier. Um so you just kind of buy it and and see how it works out. And I've never had a bad beer from these guys. Uh, I've got another one of their seasonals that will probably feature pretty soon that uh, just came out this week, uh, which I'm really excited to try. I haven't even tasted it yet. So I'm going to take a couple sippies of this very fresh IPA while you talk about your double IPA. So I think that's really cool that they do the with the variants and you don't know until you come home and, and pop it off the uh, the carrier. Yeah, I mean, I mean you can look at the bottom and tell. Um but still, it's kind of cool. With, like, yeah, it's, it's just fun. a cool feeling. It's like, do uh, you remember buying, like, I don't know, baseball cards or Pokemon cards oh, yeah. or magic cards or whatever, and you would get, like, that foil card? That's yep. kind of how it feels when you go and you buy a four-pack and you get home and you pop that top off, and it's like, oh, it's a variant. And you're, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of exciting. It's like the Willy Wonka experience. It's awesome. I dig it. And it's cool that, that you can find out where it's going to be sold. It's That's almost kind of like the, the culture behind... Um, Hitty Topper. Yeah. Hitty Topper is a lot like that. And they post a schedule and certain stores sell only on certain days. Um, so it, it's but, great. But the interesting thing about this compared to Hetty Topper is this is really easy to find. I mean, I can buy this at oh, really? most grocery stores in the area. But it's always, it's basically always less than two weeks old unless they're still selling back stock. That's fantastic. You can't get better than that. So my final beer is um, kind of went all out on this one. So this is another Cardin beer. Let's see if I can focus. So this is called Ego IPA, and this is a uh, double IPA at 10%. So it's got a good kick to it. It's pretty powerful. I mean, it's um, just under a triple IPA. Yeah, it's, it's right on that level, right? And it's kind of cool because for this particular beer, they, they literally, they said, hey, can we throw all this stuff into it, all these different hops, all these different yeasts? So... It's not just one type of hop or one type of yeast or one type of malt. They, I think what happened was they probably had a bunch left over and they decided, hey, let's throw it in and see what happens. And so they made this beer, and I'll show you what it looks like. Maybe a little bit darker than the last one, roughly about the same same level. And just off, off the nose, you can tell. It's got tons of hops and it's got that kind of juicy, resinous scent to it. And it lingers. You know, when you drink this beer, you know that you're drinking it. And that's kind of, I would say, with Cardin in general, it's a pretty small brewery. Um, all their beers are like that. They're all really unique. They have very profound sort of pronounced flavors to them. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about, when, when Matt was on the show a couple of weeks ago, I was, we were talking about Cardin and how they just, they come up with an insane idea and, and make a beer about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as far as I've heard, I've only had... Like the only beers I think I've had from them are a couple of the uh, I don't remember even the number. It's like the, the whatever the zip code series is. Oh, the O seven seven XX. Yeah, um, I've had a couple of those, but that's my only experience with them. But I know that like I've been following them for a long time, so I know they've got regular coffee, which is the that's like a coffee IPA. That Dude, is, I, I want to get that beer so bad, and I still haven't seen it available. And, and they've done a million variants of that that are different yeah. styles of co making coffee. They've done like a cold brew version, and they've done the uh, they've done like the Mexican hot chocolate version. Yeah, they had and a churro version as well. They had the churro version, which yeah. was I mean, and that was just like, well, what if you're having your morning coffee and you have a churro with it? 
what would that beer taste like? And they just made a beer about it. And Matt was talking about how they made a pastrami sandwich beer. And yeah. they just come out with these crazy ideas and make amazing beer from it. It's unbelievable. And, and, and these guys, so at the moment, they're actually really small. They've got about a 5,000 square foot space. And, uh, they're, but they're building a new facility, and it's, it's double that size. It's going to be massive. Okay. Um, so I think what they're going to do probably uh, is going to be just releasing their regulars that are really popular, but then also ramping up production of these experimental beers that everybody's been going nuts over. Yeah, we, we've, got, we've actually got several breweries in our area that are doing the same thing, where you know you start off with a 15-barrel or something like that brew system, and once you've got regular production beers, there's only so much you can do for experimental stuff. And then once you've gotten enough capital, you can build a production brewery so that you're offloading all of that production stuff to somebody who can make it 24 hours a day, uh, who, I mean, are still your employees, but still you're, you're freeing up that experimental space to be able to have more capacity to make cool stuff, not yeah. just the stuff people want to drink. And I'm excited to see more of that. So talking about my block 15 sticky hands, it's a nice can. Um, yeah, they, they've just got pretty nice, nice looking cans. And the, the, the special or the limited editions, uh, sorry, the seasonal releases, because this is one of the regular releases. Um, their seasonal releases are just kind of, you know, the, the plain stick, the plain can with a sticker. Um, there's a lot of that around these parts, as, as I'm sure there is out there with all the yeah. brewery. Um, so I was reading a, this as you were talking, and I just like their description, offering a luscious blend of flavor and drinkability, this hop experience ale features an Ample editions of sticky lupulin-packed hops grown in the Pacific Northwest. The result is an aromatic blast of citrus, tropical fruit, and dank herb that transitions into resinous hop flavor and a delightfully balanced finish. And they're spot on with that. Like, it's got that, like, kind of a mild fruitiness and a little bit of, like, that hop character and stuff. And then just a really resinous kind of finish. Like, you're just getting that resin on the finish, which is one of the things that I really love about drinking IPAs. Um, oh, and, and another thing is that it says on the can that they deliver weekly, um, and it says either enjoy the vibrant notes when young or store it cold for a few weeks for a more refined hop character, which I think I'm going to do. I'm going to try like just letting a couple of these cans sit around in the fridge for a couple weeks and, and see how they change, because they're, they're definitely going to be different because hops just age so quickly. Yeah, it could be a fun experiment. It sounds good. And I think, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really impressed. I thought this was going to go pretty well with IPAs, but I'm always nervous about pairing IPAs because yeah, absolutely, you can never tell if they're going to work out or not because IPAs have that potential to just kind of blow your palate out and then you taste nothing. Um, and in in this case, I think it actually works pretty well, even with like that sticky resin kind of flavor that sticks on your palate and stays around. Um, I I think it works really well. How's your last yeah. one going? So I would say it's it's actually really awesome. And I was a little bit nervous about just first of all, you know, the alcohol content. Sometimes you can get a beer that that tends to be a little bit too hot and overpowering on the palate. So ten percent can barely taste it, at least for me. And the the hot the hot quality is really fresh. And that goes so well with the cigar. And I'm pleasantly surprised. I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, I'm getting a lot of just kind of a, almost like a nutmeg flavor. And I'm actually smoking pretty fast. Almost done with it. But it's going great. I, I think absolutely if you have an IPA, if you have the cigar, put them together. You're going to love it. It's, it's just a, it's a great pairing, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, it's just a really good combination. I see what you mean about like there is kind of like a nutmeg cinnamony kind of baking spice quality and i wonder if that that's probably coming from uh from the wrapper right i i would think so usually for me tend to be kind of uh cinnamony yeah so actually we got we have to take our last break i almost missed it there um we're not actually going anywhere but we have to throw a, a big shout out to our sponsor drew estate uh, obviously we're smoking one of their cigars the the undercrown uh we're actually on? Both wearing hats that were painted at Subculture Studios. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like we talk about it every time we plug Drew Estate. But if you haven't been on Safari, go on Safari, man. It is so much fun. Uh, that, I mean, 
You're going to make friends that are going to be your friends forever. That's how Dennis and I met. Yeah, we wouldn't know each other absolutely. if we hadn't just both happened to go on safari at the same time. Um, and you get really cool stuff that you can have painted. Uh, you can bring them, like, they love the challenge of just bringing anything you can and having them paint it. I brought them, well, unfortunately, these ones peeled off a little bit, but I have these uh, these big old holes in my ears, and I've got wooden ear earrings in there, and I had them paint them with Drew Estate logos uh, just to see if they could, and they did a really good job, even though they were teeny, teeny, tiny. Um, so, I mean, any anything you bring down, literally anything you can bring, they'll paint it for you. Actually, um, in my headphones... Oh, yeah, I forgot about those. And as well, and, and fantastic. I couldn't be happier with it. Yeah, I mean, it, if you have the chance to go on safari, just do it. It's You're not going to regret it at all. Um, so going back over the beers, I actually might have to take a couple more tastes to decide which one is my favorite. Uh, it's between the Suicide Squeeze and the Sticky Hands. Uh, the Pint Defiance is very good, but it's just... It doesn't pair quite as well. It doesn't bring out as much character in the cigar as the other two do. Um, which, interestingly, I thought that one was going to pair the best because that one's the least hoppy of the three. And I was really expecting uh, the cigar to compete with the hops a little bit. And it really kind of plays off the hops, which is really surprising. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Sorry, I'm just taking a couple sips here to, to try to decide. So I think the Suicide Squeeze uh, from Fort George Brewery... Um, Unfortunately, oh, I'm holding it backwards. Unfortunately, uh, most of these beers you can only get in in like the tri-state area, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, um, at the very furthest. But I think the Suicide Squeeze is probably the best. Um, it's just kind of, it's a well-rounded IPA, but still really bitter and hoppy. And I think it just plays off that kind of smoky characteristic from the binder and that uh, like sweet, lightly spiced flavor of the wrapper um that just worked really well and interestingly the cigar has is a lot less spicy than it was before but it's really still got a little bit of that spicy kick um so i think the suicide squeeze i would probably give that a a 90 the pint defiance i would give an 88 and the sticky hands i would give an 89 so actually i, I didn't even think about it, but 88 89 90 uh those are those are some pretty good Actually, this, the sticky hands, I'm going to upgrade to a 90. So it's 88, 90, 90. Uh, it was a close call between the suicide squeeze and the sticky hands. How about you, Dennis? So um, as much as I like this last beer that I'm drinking now, the, the Ego IPA, the double IPA, I'd say it's great. It fits really well. But my favorite, I think, from start to finish for the cigar would be the, that, uh, the, the Bronx Brewery, uh, No Resolutions. And just because it, it's got that nice got a good hop character too but it's not overpowering so it'll carry the cigar from the beginning the first third into the second third whereas that cream ale kind of didn't do it quite as well um mm. and honestly and this is just you kind of my thing i have a thing against cream ales i guess haven't found one that i've really liked yet but um i'd say you know if i were to rate it the cream ale would be at a probably 84 85 for me um the the ego ipa would be around 87 and then that, that Bronx Brewery would definitely be like 90, 91. Really nice, well-balanced, okay. you know, just easy drinking. And I can absolutely have a couple more of these and, and not feel overwhelmed by the, the hop flavor. Yeah, I, I find that, I mean, I, I love those hop bombs that just blow your palate out with hops. Um, but it's nice to be able to find IPAs that are, are just kind of drinkable. That you can have a couple of them without blowing your palate out. You can play video games while you're drinking it or whatever. Yeah. And you don't wake up tasting hops in your mouth. I would love that. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of weird about that stuff. I love the hop flavor. But that's a great point. You're right. It's You want something that's just above a session IPA, right? That sort of that, that, that small margin. Yeah, that's got a little more body than a session IPA, but yeah. still has that kick that you're looking for with an IPA. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where the suicide squeeze is. Um, the pint defiance is a little, you know, it's just not quite hoppy enough, in my opinion. I meant to have a, uh, a Northeast style IPA on here, but I, I didn't have any and I couldn't find any. Quickly. Oh, man, I should have sent you some. <laughs> it, it's not easy to find around here. Uh, we've got a couple seasonal, like, Northeast IPA places. And then 
it's funny because a couple weeks ago, Matt and I were talking on the show about how the beer culture is so much different here, and we don't have those breweries where people wait in lines around the block. And uh, there's a brewery that I've had a couple of their beers out of kegs from like local tap houses and stuff, but I'd never been to the brewery. And I found out that Great Notion in Portland is exactly like those New Jersey breweries that Matt was talking about, where people wait like half they they get there at seven half a.m. The day. It's, it's crazy. And they don't open yeah. until noon so that they can get a crowler of their new IPA, which is just really weird. And actually, I did have a uh, so you were asking during that show about milkshake IPAs. Yeah, I had a yeah, raspberry yeah. milkshake IPA there. Oh, you did awesome. I did. It was it was really good. Uh, it's I that mean, lactose, man. It yeah, it's the just hop different. character so well. It's got that creaminess kind of from the lactose. Yeah, and then. It had like that that weird bitter sweetness that raspberries have, plus the bitterness of the hops. It was it was pretty good. I I want to try like a strawberry milkshake IPA or something like that. Um, I feel I feel like raspberry would be my least favorite out of all the possible flavors of a milkshake IPA. Yeah, I think I'm on my list of uh, uh, of things to brew in the coming couple of months. I'm going to be doing a milkshake IPA pretty soon. You'll have to uh, bottle bottle a little bit of that for me. I gotta try it, uh, and and that brings us to the end of our Armed Forces Radio segment. Um, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Thank you to all our our uh, viewers on Facebook who have been commenting and interacting with us. Uh, we really appreciate you being there. Thank you to everybody around the world listening on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing out there, uh, protecting our freedoms, and. Uh, you know, just defending our country from evil. Everybody stay safe. Have a great week. Good night.